Hi guys, when we get to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real, it's going to be a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, you can find the podcast on YouTube, and you can also find the podcast anywhere that you can get your podcast, and we're so thankful uh, that you guys are with us today. Okay, so I'm really excited about this one today. I'm really, really excited about this one. This is great. Um, I just love studying for this one because I can relate to this one a lot personally, and I hope that uh, this can be of aid and help to you uh, as we study the scripture together. So before we get started, you may have seen the the podcast topic on social media or an IG story, but before we get into the, the topic, you'll understand it, but let's get into an analogy first, right? So let's open up with this analogy. So there was a man who had a a jackpot booth. And what I mean by that is you, you ever go to like Dave and Buster's or an arcade or a fair and you see the guy with the hammer and you hit the plate and as you hit the plate, right, the lights go up, you know, 100, 200, 300, you know, all the way up to a certain number and then to a jackpot. So that's what he had. He had a jackpot booth. And his was different than everybody else's though. Some went to, you know, 300, some went to 400, some went to five. His was so intimidating that his went all the way up to a thousand, right? All the way up to a thousand. And so his booth became world renowned, world renowned because nobody could do it. Nobody could hit that jackpot. And so then the legend came around and people started became, becoming very intimidated by the jackpot booth. I can't hit that thousand. There's no way. I'm not even going to try. So he would go around the country and he would set it up and it would almost become like a spectacle. Like you would see at a museum that people would just look at it and no one would try it. So he goes to this small town. And as he goes to this small town, three couples come by. Right. So the first couple comes by and the guy, guy number one, he's he's very strong. He was a bodybuilder. Right. Aesthetically just looks big. His arms aesthetically look big. His chest aesthetically looks big. So in order to show off his strength and in order to impress the girl that he's with. He says, I'm going to hit this. I'm going to hit this. So he takes the hammer, and the guy says, look, all right, you ready? He said, man, he said, get out the way. Watch this. So he takes that hammer. He hits the plate. And as he hits the plate, the lights just go up. I mean, they just stagger up 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, 700, 800. It hits 900. No one in the country, in the country, has hit this number. He celebrates, he flexes, he shows off his strength, his girl starts hugging on him, everything's all great for him. But what he wants to do to stroke his own ego, he stays to the side to see what everybody else does. So they're in the corner. Couple number two comes along. He's not as big as the first guy, but he's still strong, right? He's still he's still a strong guy. And so what he does, he takes that, and the, the guy at the booth says, oh, are you ready for it? He says, yeah, I think so, I'll give it a shot. And so he takes the hammer, hits the plate with all of his might, lights go up. 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, 700, 800. Hits a great record. He's not necessarily, you know, as invested in it as the first guy is, but he's just, oh, yeah, I knew I could do something like that, right? So he was, he was happy with his score, too. So now he goes to the corner. Then a third guy comes along. Third guy doesn't look as aesthetically big as the other ones. His arms aren't aesthetically bigger. His chest isn't aesthetically bigger, but he's strong. But he just doesn't look strong. 
So the other two begin laughing at him. Look, man, there's no way. There's no way you can hit that. There's no way you can hit that. You know, I've seen you around here. There's no way you can hit that. I know how strong. You can't do it. Then his girl says, just try it. Give it a shot. And so the guy at the booth says, again, like he said to the other two, you ready? He says, yeah, I'm ready. So he takes the hammer. And with everything he's got, I mean, with everything he's got, he hits that metal plate. Lights go up. 100, 200, 300, 400. But then he caps at five. And it stops there. So then the other two guys in couples, they proceed to start laughing at him. <laughs> like you can't, you can't hit it. You can't. I told you you could, right? You're not strong enough. So then the other two couples begin to walk away. But then, the the third guy looks at that hammer and he tells his girl, "Look, I'm sorry, I I couldn't hit it." But he says, "I want to try it again." And the guy at the booth stops in his tracks. And he says, what did you just say? He said, I didn't hit it. I want to try it again. He says, huh. Try it one more time. Try it one more time. And so the third guy takes that hammer. With all of his might again, he hits that metal plate. And as he hits the metal plate, something different happens from the first time to this time. So instead of the lights starting at zero, the lights started at 500 where he left off. 600, 700, 800, 900, 1,000. He hits the jackpot. Lights go off. The thing goes crazy. It's great. He wins the prize. He celebrates with his girl. But the other two guys and, and their girls, they're just far away. They're just close enough. They're just close enough to see it, and they run back. How did you hit that? There's no way. There's no way you hit my record. There's no way you did it. But the thing about the machine was when it hit the jackpot, you're done. So you can't try it again. So now you're, you're the winner. And so the guy at the booth, he looked at the other two, and he said, you know why he was able to hit it? And you know why guys like you and everybody else that I've seen in the country couldn't hit it? Because he was willing to try it again. You two were satisfied with your score. You that hit 900, you could have you could have blown on the plate and you would have hit 1,000. But you were so satisfied and you wanted to show off your strength to your girl. You got what you wanted. Second guy, you hit it. You probably could have hit the 1,000 too. But you were just satisfied with doing more than you thought you could do. The third guy, he gave everything that he had. But he got way less than both of y'all. But he knew if he gave it everything he had one more time, he would hit it. That's why he's a winner and you guys aren't. So the topic today is I'm not perfect, but I'll try. I'm not perfect, but I'll try. You know, there's this there's this perception and there's this idea and it, it's always kind of. Um, I'm trying to think of the word it, it almost kind of. It's like this invisible barrier that's in the church sometimes, so we know it's there, but we kind of don't discuss it. We almost kind of. 
expect perfection from people. We expect a certain level of perfection. We understand if someone falls once, maybe twice, but that's pretty much all you get. You know, we have this idea of if you're not totally 100% perfect, then there, there must be something wrong with you and there must be something wrong with your faith. There's something wrong with you. There's got to be something wrong with you. And so we kind of have this invisible barrier that floats around all the time. And so as we talk about this topic of I'm not perfect, but I'll try. We think about, you know, people in scripture, and we're going to look at some examples as we study. But as we look at these examples in scripture, they were professional failures at a lot of things. But the ones that really pleased the Lord, they kept going even when they fell over and over and even when they didn't get it right. They came back like the third guy at that booth. They came back and said, let me try it again. I know I can do better. Let me try it again. And so for you guys today, I hope that this can give you some encouragement as we study today that the Lord wants people that even when they fail, even when they fall, even when they don't get it right, even when they sin, the Lord wants people that are going to get up and go back and say, I want to do it again. I want to do it again. You know, before we get to this first example, it's kind of like, have you ever, you know, been walking with a toddler? And sometimes, you know, toddlers, they can't necessarily grab your whole hand. They can just grab your finger. So you're walking with them and you're talking with them and you're trying to walk and pace with them. But as you're walking with that toddler, what do they always tend to do? They fall, right? Then they start laughing. Then they it takes a, just a second to get back up and you sit there and wait for them. And they get up and then you keep walking with them. And then sometimes they'll just fall and kind of expect you to drag them, right? They do that sometimes too. But guess what a toddler will always do? They'll always try again. I mean, you could be walking from here to the exit door. You could be walking from here to the car. They'll fall 15 times, but they'll get up every time because they know they're, they have somebody that's, that's leading them somewhere, but they know I got to do something too. I can't just stay here. I got to get up. It's like innate and it's kind of built in them to keep getting up. So for us, the Lord is leading us. And as he's leading us, sometimes just like that toddler, myself included 100%, but maybe you can relate too. you fall, you fall, you know, you, you become tired. You want to sit down. You don't want to do it anymore. You don't want to try anymore. You're, you, you just, well, let me just be satisfied here. I gave it everything I had. I can't go to another level. I can't do anything better. But then the Lord just waits for you to get up. And once you get up, you got to keep walking. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at, at, at a couple things about I'm not perfect, but I'll try. All right. I'm not perfect, but I'll try. So if you're taking notes, here's the first thing we're going to look at. Number one, just because I try doesn't mean that I won't fall. Just because I try doesn't mean I won't fall. A lot of times we can have this attitude with, with a lot of things in our lives and even with a lot of people in our lives too. We have this this um, this thinking that, okay, yeah, we'll try, but if this happens one time, then it's not, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. You know, so how many times have we had that attitude of, you know, I gave it a shot, right? Just like those other two guys right at the booth. I gave it a shot. 
I was close. I hit 900. I was close. I hit 800, but it just it just didn't hit jackpot though. So Lord, I guess that wasn't for me because I tried. I gave I gave some effort. I may I may have given more effort than I've given in a while. But you know what, Lord, I gave it a shot. So now because it doesn't it didn't work how I wanted it to, when I wanted it to, and in the time frame that I wanted it to, Lord, I'll give up. It wasn't for me because I tried. You see the trap that we catch ourselves in? We give the excuse to God and we give the excuse to people around us because I tried and it didn't work and I gave effort the first time and it didn't work. That automatically means it's not for me because it didn't work the first time. That's faulty thinking. But can you see how easy it is to justify why you're right, though? And then other people around you hyping you up and gassing you up that, oh, you gave it a shot. Yeah, it's not for you. You see how they can gas you up with that? That's faulty thinking. Now, as we're, as we're going to notice as we keep going, are there times where you have to fold? Absolutely. You have to know when to fold. But there's a difference before we keep going. There's a difference between something being extremely, notice the word extremely there, between something being extremely detrimental to your life and something being hard and inconvenient. There's a difference between something being extremely detrimental to your life and your growth or something that's just a little hard and has a little resistance. There's a difference. But what we've done today is anytime with anything, I'm talking about jobs, I'm talking about with people, I'm talking about with, with your work, what you do, we've categorized anything that doesn't come naturally that doesn't come easy, that's not fun, that's not great all the time, that's not um, what I want all the time, we've categorized that and we've all put it in one box as this thing, this person is extremely detrimental, so that's not for me. But it was literally just one argument. <laughs> it was literally just one failure. It was literally just one thing went wrong at your work. But because that one thing wasn't convenient and it wasn't fun and it wasn't this anymore, well, that's detrimental to me. So I guess I'm going to try again with, y'all see what I'm saying? So we've categorized everything that's hard, everything that has resistance, everything that doesn't work well. We've categorized that in the extreme category when we haven't even hit extreme yet. Y'all see what I'm saying as we're, as we're studying through this? All right. So um, let's keep going. So number one, just because I try doesn't mean I won't fail or I won't fall. So uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. And I want to start um, in verse number 27. So we get Peter. We get Peter a lot of flack, a lot of flack for this. So obviously we understand that the disciples are on the boat with Christ. And so he mentions there in verse 28, and Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, let's stop there. So we give Peter a lot of flack by saying, well, when you got out of the ship, what happened? You, you failed. When you got out of the ship, you got distracted. 
when you got out of the ship, you couldn't stay focused. So we we justify in our minds, well, what Pete, what should have Peter, what should Peter should have done? He should have stayed on the boat. Because if you stayed on the boat, guess what? You you wouldn't have failed. You see that comfortable mindset that some of us have sometimes? You wouldn't have failed if you stayed on the boat. You wouldn't have been distracted if you would have stayed on the boat. You would have you wouldn't have drowned if you would have stayed on the boat. But let's look at it this way. Out of the twelve, who was willing to try though? Peter was willing to try. So just like that example and that analogy we used at the beginning, the third guy was willing to do something the other ones weren't. I'm willing to try again. I'm willing to, I'm willing to try to hit this so I can get the jackpot. But what were the other disciples on the boat? What was their mindset? If you jump up to verse 26, the, the Bible says, and when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But how come Peter was the only one to say, if it's you, let me come? Peter tried. But here's the thing. Sometimes we have this, we have this mindset today. And I really don't know where it comes from. But we have this mindset today. If I try something that I've never tried, if I give effort, and it's been a while since I've given effort, if I give time, if I give if I give this and this and this, then because it's new to me, because I haven't done it, because it's been a while, it's been a minute since I tried, it better work out. It better work out. Because I could just keep going the way that I'm going. I could keep chilling the way that I'm chilling. I could keep doing this the way that I've kept living life. I could keep doing this. So since I'm getting out of my way to do this, this better work. Oh, yeah, this better work. And if this doesn't work, best believe I'm out. Best believe I'm out. So why do we have that thought process of if I try, if I inconvenience myself, then it better work? Why do we have that? It all goes back to pride and ego and arrogance, right? So we expect if if we do something, if we try, we expect it has to work. You know, I, I saw an interview from uh, Coach Nick Saban, Roll Tide, right, uh, University of Alabama, and he had a speech yesterday, and he said, if you expect things to always work, you're always going to be disappointed. Not saying you come into life pessimistic, but said you have to understand everything in life comes with a challenge. Everything. Every job, every person, every everything that you do comes with its own challenge. Are you really or are you ready to take that challenge? So Peter here was ready. But because Peter tried, Peter failed. So are you willing to keep trying and are you willing to fail? See, I think that's the question too that we gotta ask ourselves. It's not the question of are you willing to try? It's also, are you willing to work through and fail? You know, and we're going to mention this, but there's a song that we sing um, in our songbooks and even at camp. It's called Step by Step, right? And so it talks about, I will follow you all of my days and step by step, you'll lead me. 
I will learn to walk in your ways and step by step you'll lead me. So when you learn something, think about what you do at your job. Think about what you do as you play your sport. Did you have to learn how to do what you're doing? So when you were learning to do what you do, did you just get it instantly or did you have to put in some effort when you were learning? Learning includes failure multiple, multiple times. Learning includes questions. Learning includes could have did things better. That's what learning is. But a lot of us want to skip to the good part. We want to skip to the it needs to work right now part. But then here's the bad part about that, though. Why not learn at the beginning? Because you're, you're going to learn. You're, you're going to learn later, but you'll learn it harder. So why not learn now? So Peter had this attitude of, well, just because I try doesn't mean I won't, I won't fall or I won't fail. And I think sometimes we have to have some patience with each other because a lot of times with each other, we expect a sense of perfection. But, you know, you talk about Jesus and how he treats us. He forbears with us. He, he's patient with us. Um, he just, he walks step by step with us. He just, he allows us to develop. And I think that's a beautiful thing that we can do is, yeah, I'm not perfect, but I'll keep trying though. You know, I'll keep trying. And there's a beauty in, in, in trying again and keep working and keep developing and keep getting better. There's a beauty in that. And, and a lot of times before we keep going, a lot of times we won't try certain things because we know that with trying something, failure is included in that. So sometimes we know that. So sometimes we have that mindset of the other disciples there because of fear of if I walk up out this boat, if I walk out of here, I know I'm not going to get it. I know things are going to be hard. I know I'm going to have to learn. I know I'm going to have to do better. So that's a lot of work. So you know what? I'd rather stay on the boat and I'd rather stay on the boat with people just like me too. So let me go be with this person and that person and that person because they don't want to do nothing either. They're satisfied too. So we'll get together and we'll just be satisfied doing nothing together. Y'all see what I'm saying? That's dangerous. That's that's very, very dangerous. And here's the sad part, and I I hate seeing this, but here's the danger of verse 26. If you stick around people that are just afraid as you are of growth and of being better and doing better and not really changing, it's not like you're bad people, but you're not doing nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not changing. So this is this is the dangerous part about it. And I'm saying this out of love. So please take it for the way it's intended. A lot of times what we can do is we can be so satisfied with the minimal let me do the, the, let me do, you know, the, the minimal amount to please the Lord. Let me do the minimal amount. So I will be there when I need to be there at worship. I will be there when I need to be there at certain things, but I just do the minimum. So then I'll stick with someone else that does the minimum or even less than I do. And so now we'll stay together. We'll get together and now we won't do anything together too. 
So then later on, then people like that, then now I meet those people five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years later who were scared to jump like the disciples in verse 26. Now they come and say, I should have did it. I should have did it because now it's like they understand I should have gave more effort to the Lord. We should have grew together more. We should have done this more. We should have been doing this. But now I find out the hard way. And now it's not all fun and games anymore. So don't be afraid to fall and don't be afraid to keep learning. All right. So then number two, as we're talking about, I'm not perfect, but I'll I'll try. Again, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to www dot when scriptures become real or www.anchor.fm anchor.fm slash when scriptures become real slash support and then you can support the podcast there and we we would love your support the podcast will always be free um, but if you could support it would be it'd be a great thing to help us out all right so then number two so we're looking at i'm not perfect but i'll try so number one just because i try doesn't mean i won't fall then number two just because i try doesn't mean things are always going to be easy. I think we have this concept too where, all right, I'll try, but we expect it to be like on our time or it has to work for me. And if it doesn't work for me, I'll find something that does work for me. So think about this. So let's go to Psalm 23. And we looked at this a little bit um, last night in Psalm chapter 23. So you think about, you think about the Lord. And you think about how the Lord is our shepherd. Things aren't always going to be easy as we try. And so notice what David says in verse two. He makes me to lie down. And notice the description. What are the pastures looking like? Green. What does green represent? Life, flourishing, great. So as we're walking with God, Are we going to have amazing times in life? Absolutely, we're going to have great times. Where else does he lead me? Well, he leads me to green pastures. He also leads me by still waters. What does still represent? Calmness, peace, serenity, relaxation. So when we walk with, with the Lord, does he bring a certain level of peace? Does he bring a certain level of confidence? Does he bring a certain level of just, ah, you know, I'm glad he's there. Absolutely, he does. What else does God do? Verse three, he restores my soul. So when you're down, who's always there to lift you up? Where else does he lead? He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So are you, you going to be doing good works and good things for God? Absolutely, you will. But then notice this, all of us love to follow God when you lead me to green pastures, God. I love to follow you, God, when you keep restoring my soul. I love to follow you, God, when you lead me to still waters. I love following you, God, when you lead me in paths of righteousness. I'm with you. I'm with you when you follow, when, when, you're, when you're doing things that way. I'm 100, I'm in, I'm in, I'm all in. But then verse four comes. Yea, though I walk, he's still leading, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Things got bad real quick, didn't they? So we have this concept of 
I want to walk with the people that make things the easiest for me. So should you want, should you wish trouble on people or even on yourself? No, not necessarily. You shouldn't wish trouble on that. But sometimes there's a danger in this mindset of, I just want things to be easy for me. Like, I just don't want to, I just want things to stay easy. You know, I just don't want to, I don't want to try anything harder. So there's a danger in that. Because then that makes us like verse two and three. We're okay when things are like this. But Lord, when you lead me through a valley, I'm not all in no more. I'm not all in anymore. But what did David say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're still with me. Just because I try, and because you try at things, doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy. Doesn't mean it's always going to be easy when you try something. So when you try something, there's always adversity. There's always problems. There's always issues. There's always something that comes up. But when that something comes up, how do you handle it? How do I handle it? Right. So (laughs) when you look at this, and even as I self-reflect as we study through this, I am a professional failure. I fail a lot at stuff, like a lot. I mean, I'm talking about like secular stuff, like, you know, um, (laughs) when we went, uh, you know, snowboarding, fell (laughs) fell, uh, flat on my face. When we went skiing, I fell flat on my face. When we went roller skating, I could do that, but it's, it took me a minute. You know, so even with anything that I do, there's a certain level of failure, a failing process that I always go through. Like I never get it right the first time in anything, even with basketball that I was good at. Like I, I, it took a while to get plays. It took a while to get actions. It took a while to get sets. It took a while, but when you get it, you get it. So uh, like with me, like I can relate to Peter because with anything, with anything for me, like it, it just doesn't come easy with anything. So, and you know, maybe that plays a part in some things of there's an expectation of, well, it better work the first time. If that's the case, I'm just letting y'all know I'm going to get it wrong. It's not like I'm trying to get it wrong. It's like, it's like with Peter, Peter always had, he always had the right zeal. And he always had the right heart, but the the mode and the way he exercised it wasn't always the right thing to do. So I can understand that. But one thing that Peter always did, and one thing that I can relate to Peter as well, is like he kept going though. Like he never stopped. Like imagine the stuff that he went through, right? So he walks on the water and he falls. How many people would have stopped at that point? But he didn't. He tells, he tells Jesus later on, Lord, I don't want you to go. I don't want you to, I don't want you to leave us. After he washes the disciples' feet, you can look at John 5. Or you can look at, uh, you can look at John, uh, you can look, look at all the, uh, the accounts with that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I don't want you to go. What does Jesus tell him? Get behind me, Satan. How many people would have fallen after Jesus says that to him? Then later on in Luke chapter 22, we'll look at this later. Later on, Jesus tells Peter, you're going to betray me three times. I've prayed for you, though, that your faith doesn't fail. Satan wants you. He desires to sift you as wheat. And then 
when he denies Jesus three times and Jesus just looks at him, how many people would have quit after that? But he kept coming back. Think about that. Like he just kept coming back. So then after he weeps bitterly and then Jesus shows himself in the book of Mark, he shows himself to the to the to the women there at the at the tomb. Who does he say? Go tell. Go tell the disciples. And he singles them out. Go tell Peter. And so he goes to tell Peter. And now guess who's preaching the first gospel sermon in Acts chapter two? The guy who just kept failing. How come it wasn't John? Jesus seemed to really love John. How come it wasn't the other ones who, who didn't seem to fail as much as Peter? How come it wasn't them? Maybe the Lord had a purpose in that. But even with Peter preaching the first sermon in Acts chapter 2, then in Acts chapter 10, then he has a problem. Now he has some prejudice in his heart still. Lord, I haven't eaten anything unclean. And what did the unclean thing represent? The Gentiles. Lord, I haven't done it. And what does he do to the Lord three times in a dream? Nope, nope, nope. Denies him three times again. But he goes to the house of Cornelius in Acts 10 and converts him. Then he realizes God is not a respecter of persons. He gets up again. Then in Galatians, then Paul had to confront him to the face because then he, he was eating with the Gentiles. And when the Jews showed up, then he went to the other side. So then after he was confronted to the face, guess what Peter still did? <laughs> he got back up. You just couldn't, you couldn't knock this guy down. And then later on in first and second Peter, then he's able to say, add to your faith, patience, virtue, knowledge, temperance, all these things, brotherly kindness, add these things. And if you abound in these things, you'll never fall. <laughs> you'll never fall. So how many times did Peter fall a lot? How many times do I fall a lot? How many times do you fall? just to keep this going a lot. So if we fall, we got to get up. Peter was, he almost had this mind of like, it doesn't matter. I'm always going to get back up. So just because you try something doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Right? Psalm chapter 23. But then number three, as we look at this a little bit more, this is now, this is a great way to close this as we're talking about this. Just because I try and I fail, just because I try and I fail, watch this, that don't mean it won't work. Just because I try and I fail, that doesn't mean it won't work. So we have this concept of things where if it's not like an immediate connection, if it's not an immediate like, oh, this is it, you know what I'm saying? Like if you don't get that that feeling about it with a job, with people. If I don't get that from the beginning, oh no, it's not going to work. Mm -mm. It's not going to work. Just because I try and fail doesn't mean it won't work. So think about Peter, right? We just mentioned this in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, verse 32. Remember, he was going to betray Jesus. And he said, I pray for you that your faith fail not in verse 32. And when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. So what did Peter do for Jesus? He failed him. So now let's look at what specifically happened. Verse 59 of Luke 22. And about the space of one hour, or actually let's go up to verse, uh, verse 54. 
They took him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. And when they kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, they were set down together Peter uh, among them. And a certain maid looked at him and said, this man was also with him. And he denied. He's saying, woman, I don't know him. <laughs> I don't know him. Then in verse 57, he denied and saying, woman, I don't know him. Verse 58, after a little while, another saw him. And he said, thou art also one of them. And Peter said, look, man, I'm not. Then verse 59, and about the space of one hour, after another confidently affirmed saying of a truth, this fellow was with him. He's a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately when he spoke, the cock crew and the Lord turned and looked on Peter. And then Peter remembered. So what did Peter in his relationship with Jesus, what did he just do to him? I failed you. I failed you. So most times today, when one person fails another, what tends to happen? Not all, but most times. That wasn't for me then. Nope. That wasn't it because it wasn't easy. That wasn't it because it didn't work the way I wanted it to. Nope, that wasn't it. Lord, Lord, that wasn't for me. How do you know? Remember, we got another difference between something that's extremely detrimental to your life and something that's just resistance and tough. So now, here, Jesus looked at Peter. And what did Peter do later? He went out and wept bitterly. But then after he did that, so does this mean that from this point forward, Jesus couldn't use Peter no more or anymore? Does that mean from this point forward, Jesus had to treat Peter different now? Does this mean that from this point forward, Jesus had to walk around and, and do things and say things and, and be conspicuous and do all this things and keep, keep things from Peter so Peter won't find out? Is that why? Peter's still useful. You know the people that fail you? Guess what they still are? They're still useful. But for some weird reason, and maybe it's because of others hyping us up about this and others gassing us up so that we can look like the hero in the story. The people that fail you, who's to say that they can't help you still? But because you want to look like the hero out of it, you want to look like the good guy or the good girl out of it, everybody else gas you up that you're this, there may be something that's good is thrown away. See, a lot of times what we can tend to do, guys, and I've fallen into this too, and it takes a, it takes a level of, um, and I'm still getting there too. I'm not there. But it takes a certain level of um, maturity and a certain level of patience and perseverance to see the whole picture of stuff, to see the whole picture of stuff. So, for example, just to give a secular example to tie into this, you ever seen those movies where you see um, a girl likes a guy, right? And the girl's out and she's grocery shopping or something or she's at the mall and she sees the guy that she likes with someone else, right? So now she sees him with someone else. She takes a picture. She calls her girls up. Look, I knew he was this. I knew he was a dog. I knew he wasn't. I knew he didn't care. But the girl that he was with was actually someone that he grew up with 
and he's talking to her about you. But because of what you saw, you already put a a preconceived notion in your head that he was cheating on you but didn't tell you. Then you already told five people that told you that you should not be with that guy. So then he comes to you, and now you let him go. But all he was doing was finding out how to be better for you. You see how it takes some patience and maturity to see the whole picture? Now, could it be possible that that other girl, that he could have been doing something on the side and not saying nothing so he wouldn't hurt you? He could have been doing that. But what is your role in the situation? Sometimes, despite even what you see, what you've heard, what you may have heard of what's happening, just take that in as data and just let the whole picture develop first. You might be right in what you think, but you got to let the data develop. So sometimes what we can tend to do, guys, is when we do stuff like this with anything, with your job, with other things, when we do stuff like this, what we tend to do is we jump ship too early. And then when we jump ship, then we think, well, that wasn't for me. Then we tell everybody else, but maybe that was the thing for you. But you just weren't patient enough to stay on the ship. But what you want to do, you see a ship over here. Oh, that's a fun ship. They have a great ship over there. Everybody laughs over there. It's great over there. No one challenged me, challenges me over there. It's still waters over there. I'm jumping ship and I'm taking my paddle and I'm getting off this one, which is in a storm right now. I'm getting off this one and jumping ship with them. They're the fun ship. So I get on that ship because things are fun over there. But little do I know that ship over there hasn't been tested yet. And that ship is actually about to come into a storm. But the ship that you just got off of that's in a storm that ship's actually about to hit shore and that ship is actually about to hit paradise. But because you were so afraid, you jumped ship too early. Y'all see what I'm saying? So what if Jesus would have jumped ship on Peter? His will would have been done anyway because he's the Lord. But Jesus said, Peter's still useful. Go get him. Tell him I'm back. So now imagine the power of that sermon in Acts 2. You all killed the Christ, but I'm just as guilty as all y'all because I denied him. Then we get to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then notice Peter gave them an answer that he already had to do. Repent. I know what it's like, y'all. Repent and be baptized. Imagine the power of that first sermon. So just because I fall and just because I try and I fail, that doesn't mean it won't work. But you see how with certain things like this, we have to see bigger picture. And it takes prayer and it takes patience and it takes perseverance and it takes letting the whole picture paint. Rather than looking at one one point of it, oh nope, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. You see what I'm saying? So it and I'm still working on this too, but but when you find yourselves in that moment, and this is 
and as we close, this is kind of the danger of social media with it too. It's like that example that I used with that girl. If that happens, where's the first place that most people go today? Go on Facebook. I knew it wasn't for me. Post. Go on IG. I don't need nobody. I'm doing this solo. Post. You go on, you go on Twitter. Hashtag independence. Post. Then you then all your friends who've been gassing you up, guess what they do to your post? They retweet it. <laughs> they repost it. They share it. And then guess what? Then you have 500 people who's on your side. They like your post. Then guess how you feel about yourself? I did the right thing. Well, little do you know, you done messed up. <laughs> you done messed up. You done messed up. You fumbled the bag. So you see how it, it takes some time, guys? It takes time. So I'm not perfect, but I'll try. Are you willing to try? So as we close, I was listening to a song yesterday, one of my favorite songs. It's a, it's a good song. It's on a good acoustic playlist. 10,000 Hours, right, by Dan and Shay and the Beeves, <laughs> right? So notice that thing about trying with God. And let's equate that song to our relationship with God. And let's automatically say our relationship with God will transfer to anyone else, right? So with God, what if you could say, I'll spend 10,000 hours and 10,000 more, which is 20,000. If that's what it takes to learn that heart of yours, Philippians chapter two. I might never get there. I'll fall. I'll fail. I won't get it right. I might not get there, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Throughout my lifetime, throughout your lifetime, I might not have enough to give God 20,000 hours, but I'll try. I'll get there. I might hit 18, might hit 19, but I'll try. So imagine if you got a person, if you're the person that's giving your best and trying to give God those 20,000 hours, what do you think you're going to do to people attached to you? If you're trying to give your heart to God, as I'm giving mine to God, why wouldn't I give it to you? It doesn't make sense. So I'm not perfect, but I'll try. I hope that was able to help you, man. I, oh, I love studying for that one today. I, I got up this morning. I was like, yep, I got to go. <laughs> I got to start recording. So, I mean, that was, that was a fun one to do. Um, I hope that was able to help you and, and maybe see some things clearly for you. Again, if you need help, let me know, and I'd love to pray for you and uh, help you out any way that I can. I've already had, and let me just let y'all know, I I don't just say this on the podcast. I've had people reach out, and when they reach out, you know, for example, like with Sam Lawrence, I didn't know Sam at all. He reached out on Facebook. I gave him his number. He gave me mine. We talk on the phone all the time now for hours. You know, he's he's one of my best friends now. You know, you got Christian Franklin. I didn't know Christian at all. He gives me his number because he's seen the podcast on on um 
on Facebook Messenger, the first, the literally the first time that we talked, we talked for two hours on the phone. No, we talked for three. We talked for three hours. So again, we really are developing and really doing this with each other. There's other people that we've done this with too. You know, I with my guy, you know, I, I know him from Collinsville, Alec Yeager, right? I haven't heard from him in a while. I'm thankful. I know he's, he's going to college now, but you know, I got a message from him saying, man, look, I appreciate the podcast, man. It, we really try to grow this thing as a Christian family together. So, I mean, if you want to get in on the conversation, man, hey, there's room, there's room. And so we love to have you, you know, in the conversation as we, uh, as we help each other out. So uh, we appreciate you guys. Um, Lord willing, what's today? Uh, man, today's Monday. So we'll be back. Maybe I don't want to say this week, possibly, but there may be another podcast this week, but I know for sure we'll be back on Monday, Lord willing. So we'll see you on Monday. Thanks guys.